0: Well, good morning, church. The wonderful, wonderful cross. I'll never forget the first time I heard that song. It was in an arena in Greensboro, North Carolina, at a youth rally, and uh, several several years ago. And I'll never forget what it sounded like to hear twelve thousand young people sing that song a cappella. Uh, what, a, what a moving tribute to the cross in song uh, today. What a wonderful cross it is because it stands for your atonement of your sin and the atonement of my sin. Well, I'm glad you're here this morning to worship with us uh, here at Neil Road. There are a few prayer requests I want to bring to your attention. Um, I was told this morning that Miss Rachel Goodman fell yesterday. Uh, She's okay, but uh, decided to take it uh, safe uh, today, so uh, staying at home due to the inclement weather potential, uh, decided to to rest at home. So be in prayer for her, certainly be in prayer for Johnny and Lois Shook. Uh, Also uh, be in prayer for Miss Nita. Nita is going under the knife on Tuesday, right? Uh, She's got a thumb that isn't working right, so they're going to give her thumb a tune-up. So be in prayer for her as she goes in Tuesday morning uh, to have that operation. Um, also, Brother Bill has an MRI scan that's uh, pretty important uh, coming up this week. So be in prayer for him as well. They're going to uh, put the dye in them and, and run the MRI machine. And we all know who have had that dye before, it's not very fun, is it? Uh, so just be in prayer for Brother Bill as uh, he uh, approaches uh, this, this test. So turn with me in your Bibles as we turn to the scripture now uh, in Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 will be our launching pad today. I want to thank you for being here as we continue our Popular Unpopular Truth series. This morning, the topic that we'll be discussing, the truth that we'll be examining, according to the Word of God, the Scriptures, is hell. Is hell. Um, Last week we looked at heaven. Uh, This morning we look at hell. We concluded last week in defining what heaven is with a biblical lens, that heaven is a divine place, it is an invaluable place, in other words, you can't buy it, and it should be a top priority for us to live for. Whenever you are saved, whenever you are born again, whenever you are regenerated by the Holy Spirit, standing justified before Almighty God, in this life, we are made citizens of that country. And as a result of that life-altering, life-changing event that will happen to you and me through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus, we are to live for the country that we belong to. We live for a country. We live for a world where rust and moth, moth and rust, cannot destroy. We we live as citizens of that holy city. That perfect city of God where where Christ is, where, where God is, where our loved ones are, where our citizenship is, and where ultimately our eternal reward is. Now this morning we turn our attention to the alternative to heaven, which is simply called hell, called hell. And as we look at such a sensitive truth... I pray that as we look at the biblical definition of hell, that we would not be guilty to dismiss such an important topic. That we would take heart, that we would take great attention to that which the Word of God would reveal to us today about a place that is real, and that is forever. So I want to use this passage in Revelation chapter 20 as sort of a launching pad for us to define what hell is according to the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15, we find a very sobering text. So I wanna read this and then we'll pray and we'll dive into the scriptures. The word of God says in Revelation chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, John writes, then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it from whose presence earth and heaven fled away and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, the great and the small, standing before the throne. And the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and Hades gave up the dead which were in them. And they were all judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. Then death and Hades... Were thrown into the lake of fire this is the second death the lake of fire and if anyone's name was not found written in this book of life he too was thrown into this lake of fire let's pray together father as we pause and we worship you this morning we are grateful for your word for the saving power of your word, for the convicting power of it, for the edifying power of it. Lord, we praise you that your word is truth, that we can know an absolute truth in a world that constantly rejects truth. Father, we pause and remember those who lost their lives 21 years ago in a deliberate terrorist attack on our country and the ideology with which it stood for pure evil anti-truth and anti you and Lord we, we, we pray this morning even for those who mourn this day, who lost loved ones, children, spouses, friends. Father as we know that you are sovereign over all things and as we approach your word this morning, I pray, oh God that as we look at the def- definition of hell according to your truth, not folklore or tale or man-made opinion lord i pray that your word will once again convict the heart of the sinner i pray that it would edify the saint i pray lord that it would be a balm to those who are hurting but also it would be a terror to those who are dead in their sin and need you lord would you speak through this tongue i'm i'm but a beggar I'm but a messenger, I have nothing to say other than your word, so Lord would you use this distracted mind to do your word justice, and Lord in it all would you get great glory from our time and your truth today. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. Our text today speaks of judgment, there's no question about that, and it speaks of a day of judgment that is known in theological circles as the GWT the GWT which is a paraphrase for the great white throne the great white throne judgment this judgment is to happen in eternity future and this judgment is reserved for those who have died without knowing the lord our text today has a lot to unpack and in the interest of time we cannot do everything that this text would merit us do. But I want to really focus on verse 15 of our mother text as we do this topical exposition. Verses 14 and 15, let me read those one more time. Verse 14 says, the death and, that death and Hades were thrown into, there's our word, lake of fire. This is the second death, lake of fire. And not only that, in verse 15 it writes, And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown or she was thrown into the lake of fire. In two verses, this lake of fire is referenced three times. Revelation calls it a great lake of fire. We call it hell. And brothers and sisters, if you're here this morning or if you're watching at home through Facebook or YouTube, you as well. This is your future if you don't know Jesus. We want to know and we want to ask ourselves or live in a way in which we cannot know what will happen to us. Let me tell you very plainly. If you die from this life without Christ, Revelation chapter 20 verses 11 through 15 will be your reality. This is what you have to look forward to for rejecting Jesus and dying without him. Thus saith the Lord. It's right here. It's not up for debate. It's not up for explaining away. It's here in our text literally in black and white. If you don't know Jesus this morning, and if you die without him, This is what you have to look forward to forever. However, I want to do anything I can to prevent that from happening. And as a preacher of this book, my motivation this morning is not to scare you into heaven or to scare you into glory, but I want you to know that you don't have to go there, this hell, this place of the lake of fire. And all the other adjectives and words that the the Lord uses to describe this dreaded place. So as we walk through here, we've got three headings we're going to look at in in an effort to properly understand what hell is not, as well as what hell is, and how and the only way one must receive and embrace to avoid such a dreaded place. And I pray this morning that as we look through these headings, and I do pray you picked up a listing guide as you walked in today. As we walk through these three headings, that you take account your own heart. That you take account your own life. That you take account your own vapor. That you take account your own race, your grace race in which you're living. Whether you're saved or unsaved, God's grace is heavily upon your life because you still have air in your lungs and a heart that's beating inside your chest that you would take notice of your own household and you would ask yourself, when I die, where will I be? What eternity do I have to look forward to? Is it heaven as we looked at last week? Or is it hell? May the Lord have his way with our hearts this morning as we seek to understand the truth of his word. The first heading that we wanna look at, fill it out, uh, the blank there is, we're first gonna look at the deviant views of hell. The deviant views of hell. Hell is a place that you don't wanna go, and we know this. Everybody knows this, saint and sinner alike. Hell is not a party, hell is not fun, hell is not vacation, it's a place that is to be avoided. And because of this reality, Throughout the years, whether you're saved or unsaved, the unsaved, rather, have simply refused to believe this truth about hell, especially in the day in which we live today. It is a blatant rejection of truth of what the Bible says hell is. And as a result of this hatred for the truth and this rejection of the truth, the world and the secular influences of the day, even found in some church pulpits, have proposed alter, alternative views of hell that we would be good to understand this morning. There's a few that you may wanna write down. I'm not sure if I left uh, room for you on your listing guide to do that, but you might wanna write that down on the side there as we walk through these truths and these verses. One of the alternative views of hell that the secular world would propose the hell is, is called universalism, universalism. Now, the secular view of hell uh, pretty much teaches that all people at the end of eternity present will be saved. Doesn't matter what you've done with Christ in this life. Doesn't matter if you bend the knee or not before you are dead. No, the atoning work of Christ will be applied to everyone regardless if they repent of their sin or not. Universalism believes that after death that you will be given an opportunity to repent of your sin and turn to Christ as Savior and Lord of your life. Universalism teaches that some may die and and be punished temporarily in a moderate hell, but then they will be allowed to enter into heaven. And this is a cancer that's growing larger and larger in our world today. Now we do know this, that this is totally deviant from the truth. This is opposite of what the Word of God teaches. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 41 and 46, Jesus says, Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into an eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. In verse 46 of the same chapter, it says, These will go away into eternal punishment but the righteous into eternal life. I don't know about you, but eternity is a long time. Eternity means without end. Eternity is outside of the scope of time in which we have defined in this world to understand life and to live our own lives. Universalism is a deviance to the truth. Revelation chapter 21 verse 8 says before the cowardly and the unbelieving and the abominable and the murderers and the immoral persons and the sorcerers and idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake that burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. John chapter 3 verse 36 says he who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life because the wrath of God abides on him. Universalism is a deviant to the truth of God's Word. But here's another one. And this one is very popular in today's society. And it's actually growing steam. We've got universalism that proposes an alternative view of hell. But number two, we have another view called annihilationism. Annihilationism. And annihilationism teaches that uh, those who die without Christ will simply cease to exist. In other words, you live your life here 80, 90, 100 years if you're lucky. And once you die without Jesus, there is no punishment or rather your punishment is ceasing to existing. Think of the horror of this doctrine, this false doctrine. There is a physical death. There's a future judgment. You may even have a short period in hell, but in the eternity future, you will literally come to a time where you will just simply cease to exist, and that's hell. Think of Adolf Hitler. Guilty of murdering millions of Jews. Approaching the throne room of God. And God looks at him and finds him guilty of sin in all those things that he was guilty of doing in his life. And instead of sending him to an eternal hell, he simply says, your hell is simply, you will not exist anymore. That's annihilationism. And many people like the thought of just simply not existing. There's no punishment or there's no pain there. There's no tormenting there. There's no smoke of the tor- torment goes up day and night forever. Annihilationism. We know that we're going to live forever somewhere. Heaven, and, heaven or hell. And annihilationism is yet just another contradictory to the truth that the world and secular Uh, evangelical influencers are trying to preach and teach and disciple and proclaim in an effort to be non-offensive. Even to water down the doctrine of hell. We know what the Bible says and I want to read Matthew chapter 25 verse 41 one more time. Jesus says, depart from me accursed ones into an eternal fire. Doesn't sound like annihilationism to me. Does it? Revelation chapter 14, 11 says, And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever and ever. They have no rest day or night. Those who worship the beast in his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. Matthew 25, 46 says, we've read already, these will go away from eternal punishment. You'll never find a verse to back up the doctrine of annihilationism. It's a false doctrine. It's a wrong doctrine. It's a secular doctrine. And it's a doctrine that seeks to steal your focus on truth. As heaven is forever, hell is forever. And you and I will live in one or two places. Now here's a third one, another view of hell. And this one's even more popular and you probably heard it on television and in interviews and the like. We have universalism that seeks to distort our view of hell, it's a deviant view. We have annihilationism that seeks to distort our view of hell, it's a deviant view. But the third view that I want you to be under to be aware of is present struggles, present struggles. The trials of this life, the tribulations this life brings. Some have tried to define the trials and tribulations of this life as the literal hell that the Bible speaks of. You've all heard it. You've all heard it quoted on television, in news quotations, or even read it in an article. They'll say, quote, in reference to something that they've been through. My life has been a living, literal hell. Or they'll say, I've been through hell. And back. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. The present struggles of this life do not even come close to what hell is. We've been co- we have become so desensitized with this word hell that we will even say it in derogatory terms. We will say it and follow it up with the word yes. Or no. Sometimes even in a joking manner. As if it's just a word to be thrown around to and fro with no weight or implication whatsoever. Brother and sister, I don't want to be insensitive to what you've been through. And I certainly don't want to communicate it that way. But as bad as your situation or circumstance is. Hell is infinitely times worse. And you don't have to go there. Romans chapter 1 verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Sometimes we go through hells and trials and tribulations in this life as a result of the rejection of righteousness. But also as Christians we go through trials and tribulations because the Bible says, In a depraved world, through many pains must We endure to enter the kingdom of heaven. Jesus even said, in this world you will have trouble. He did not say, in this world you will have hell. The pains and the trials and the tribulations in this life are to do one or two things. One, draw us to repentance. Or two, to draw us closer in our discipling and our growing sanctification to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But you haven't seen hell yet. And as God's wrath is being poured out on this world against all unrighteousness, we know that the little wrath that we are to endure in this life isn't hell. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not slow about his promises. Some count slowness, but is patient towards you. He's patient in his wrath. He's patient in allowing and permitting tribulation that you would not have to go to hell as second peter 3 9 says not wishing any would perish but all would come to repentance no your little hell is not for you to think you've been through it but rather it is a warning neon light to show you that either the best or worst is still yet to come so let view three deviant views of hell and we would be all so good to know that those views as they are seeking to draw your attention away from the truth we would be good to know what they are so that we can refute those accordingly so what does the bible teach about this hell this is our second heading the biblical views of hell second heading is the biblical views of hell one of the main view words that are used to define hell in the Old Testament is the word "sheol," and we've we've heard that that word uh, before. It's used sixty-five times in the Old Testament, and it literally means uh, the death grave or the death pit, or translated in some terms as a, as a literal hell. It's a place to be go to go where you have been cut off or you've been dismissed from the living. No life exists. In terms of eternal life or in this life, literal life, living and breathing, no, you are dead. You've been cut off from the living. And there's some 12 different words in the whole entire book of the Bible that are are used to define hell. That are used to describe this hell. Many of them provided to us by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. It always strikes me as odd as there's many pulpits that are afraid to preach on this hell. There are many church services where you'll never hear the word sin mentioned, repent, repentance mentioned, neither hell mentioned because of the unpopularity of it, because of the offense of it, because people don't want the truth. As Second Timothy reminds us, there will come a time when people with itching ears will seek out teaching to appease themselves. But it's interesting to note also that the same ones that will say are mouthpieces of God will not murmur of the topic that Christ preached on more than any. Christ was a hellfire preacher. Christ preached on hell. And he was very literal literal about it. He says in Matthew chapter 5 verse 22. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And whoever says to his brother, you're you're good for nothing, shall be guilty before the Supreme Court. And whoever says you fool, raka, shall be guilty enough to go into the fiery hell. Same word there mentioned in all the other New Testament references we talked about today. Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in, you guessed it, hell. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 33, Jesus says, You serpents, you brood of vipers, how will you escape the sentence of hell? And in Revelation, John the Revelator writes, in Revelation chapter 14, Verses 9-11. to He says, Then another angel, a third one, followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast in his image and receives a mark on his forehead or on his hand, he also will drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is mixed in full strength in the cup of his anger. And he will be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment goes up forever and ever. And they have no rest day or night. Those who worship the beast and his image and whoever receives the mark of his name. And our mother texts this morning in Revelation chapter 20, verse 15. If anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, He was thrown into this lake of fire. Hell is a place of unquenchable fire. Mark chapter 9 verse 43 tells us that. In Luke 16 we learn of hell as a place of memory and remorse. A place where you will know where you are and you will feel the wrath and torment of the full wrath of God placed on your soul. See, we see just a little piece of the wrath of God being poured out every single day in this world. But hell is a place where the full anger wrath of God will be put on display for all eternity. And you will know it and you will remember it and you will have great remorse for it. Why do you think it? the Bible describes it as a place of weeping and gnashing of teeth? There will be people who are gnashing their teeth angry with God there, and there will be people weeping in this place. Luke 16 also tells us it's a place of intense thirst. You've never been thirsty truly before until you've been to hell. Luke 16 tells us it's a place of misery and pain. In Luke 13 and Matthew 24, we look at it as a place of frustration and anger. We find it in the Gospels as it is described as a place of eternal separation. And even in the Old Testament, in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, it is a place described as one of undiluted wrath. There will be no good in hell. There will be no holiness in hell. There will be no grace in hell. There will be no mercy in hell. There will be no love in hell. There will be no timeouts in hell. There will be no breaks in hell. It is eternal punishment and torment every single day in eternity. Now here's the truth. You deserve this hell. You deserve this hell. I deserve this hell. For those watching at home, you deserve this hell forever. God is holy and we are not. God is perfect and we are not. God is good and sovereign and just. We are not sinners to the core, totally depraved. One sin it takes to make a sinner. God is so holy, one sin would merit us an eternity under his wrath this is what we deserve but there's hope heading number three the hope to avoid hell the hope to avoid hell don't ever get over this I've been saved 18 years and it still excites me to understand my depravity and what I deserve, but yet to bask in this hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We know this hope, do you? Do you? Though we are sinners to the core and depraved and and merit a devil's hell, there is hope to avoid it. John 3, 16. For God so loved you and me that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish in a hell, but have eternal life and glory. Romans chapter 5 verse 6 and 8 says, For while we were still helpless. Dead in our sins on our way to hell, on our way to eternal torment. Your worst day time's infinity forever. Okay? Pain forever. Pestilence forever. Torture forever. No relief in sight. Not a drop of water to cool your burning tongue. While we were still helpless, Romans 5 says, Christ died for the ungodly. You and me. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for you and me. And while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him forever. Jesus tells the woman on John chapter 11, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die then he says do you believe this that's the hope of heaven and that's the hope the only hope that we have to avoid hell that's the hope in salvation that's the hope in Jesus it's the hope in the Christ That's the good news of God, that we have hope outside of what we see and what we experience in this life, understanding that if we don't know Christ, the little seasons of wrath that we endure in the 100 years in our pilgrimage on this planet, if we don't know him, those Seasons of wrath are to point us to repent and believe so that we would not have to suffer the wrath to come. John 14 6 Jesus says. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. That's very narrow. You bet you it is. It is It is right no one comes to the Father but by me, he says. And that's the hope for you and me. You don't have to die and go to hell. Don't. You can live forever in glory. You can be forgiven of your sin and given a life worth living. You can't. There's no amount of sin that you can commit on this side of eternity that is greater than the grace of Almighty God. Where sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So I conclude to this, what would you say to such things? Hell is real. Hell is more real than the pew in which you're sitting in. Hell is more real than the computer screen or phone screen that you're watching this morning. Hell is real and hell is forever. Hell is the full wrath of God put on display forever. Falling on those who die in their sins. I ask you this morning, what will you do with it? Will you continue on your trek to hell knowing that's where you're headed? And somehow, way, try to skirt into heaven on your own good deeds, which the Bible calls your good deeds filthy rags in the sight of God. Or will you do something about it this morning? The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. The Bible says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Saved from what? An eternal wrath where the soul will never die. That's why Jesus says a place where the worm will will never die. It's talking of the soul. Your soul will never die in hell. And the wrath of God will be put on you forever and ever and ever. But you don't have to go there through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus. Let me ask him. Let me ask you. Do you know him today? Has there been a time in your life where you fully put your faith and trust in Christ Jesus? Are you just playing a game? Do you hope to make it to heaven? Or do you know you're going to heaven? Not based on anything you've done, but everything that Christ has done. Where is your salvation this morning? Is there any doubt in your life? Where you'll be if you were to die today. And if there is, why not repent of your sin and turn to Christ as Lord and Savior of your life? First John says, you can know. Remember, we spent 23 weeks in 1 John. He says, you can know you have eternal life. You don't have to live this life playing Russian roulette with your eternity. Sure, life is hard. Sure, trials and tribulations come our way, but friend, you've never experienced hell, and you'll never have to experience it. In Christ. Do you know him this morning? May we be a church of true converts. May we be a church that's ready and willing to tell the lost that there is hope in Christ. That there is hope in this world and its passions and its pleasures and its trinkets will all pass away one day. But one thing is going to last forever. His word and what it says and what it means. Our hope is found in nothing less but Jesus' blood and righteousness. Take this world. Give me Jesus. The world needs to hear this message. The world needs to hear this message of hope. When the sickness comes. When the family is split, when the friends forsake you, where is your hope? May we be a church that will gladly say in Christ and in Christ alone, and may we be quick to proclaim this message because you have family, you have friends, you have loved ones, you have co-workers that are believing in a false hope today. They don't know this hope. May we be a church that is zealous to share this hope with all who would have an ear to hear. May we do this. Zealously, fervently, unapologetically for the glory of God and for your greatest joy. And may we be quick to tell people there is a hell, but there's also a heaven. And only through Christ will you ever see heaven. And may we do it for his glory and for our joy. Would you pray with me? Let's pray together.